Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise in this place for Jesus Christ, the beginning and the end, the name above all names. Do you feel alive? Do you feel good? Can we make some noise for our incredible worship team? Oh, you guys spoil us. I love this church, man. I, I love this family. I love our lead pastors, Sean and Jill, with all my heart. I love Jesus, and I love getting to preach, and I just know in my knower that I am supposed to preach the message that I'm preaching right now. And I just believe God's about to speak to a lot of us listening. And so without further ado, can we welcome all of our locations right now, specifically the three God Behind Bars campuses. My goodness, we love you so much. Welcome to your church. Should we do it? All right, take a seat. Let's go. Thanks for showing up week in and week out, bringing the energy, coming expectant and hungry. I wanna start today with one question. It is rhetorical, so all you introverts, don't panic, just breathe out. How many of you wish that you could go to Starbucks with God and sit down over an orange mocha frappuccino and ask him all the questions that you have about all the plans he has for your life? So God, thanks so much for meeting me. I know you're busy. How's Gabriel? How's Spirit? How's Jesus, the whole gang, the streets of gold? Are you guys good? You need anything? Hey, by the way, who should I marry? Right, hey, by the way, like what job should I take? Hey, by the way, what's my calling? And while I have your attention, what is a calling, right? Hey, by the way, what university should I go to? Should I move across the country or stay right here? God, I'm, st I'm 22, I still watch SpongeBob. How the heck am I supposed to make decisions like this that'll affect the rest of my life, right? Like, should we buy or should we rent? Is the economy gonna collapse? Is Denver in a bubble? Should we still invest in Tesla stock? Probably to that, by the way, right? Should I break up with my girlfriend or, or are we made to go the distance? Do I put my kids in private school or public school, invest there, give there? Like I know that you have plans for me and I know that they're good plans to give me a hope and a future. I've read the verse, I even got the tattoo. But how, God, how do I know what those plans are? Am I talking to anybody at Red Rocks today? I wanna preach a really, really practical message called this, four ways to hear the voice of God. Just feel in my gut, man. A lot of us could use this right now. Four ways to hear the voice of God. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Very on purpose right now, we shut out distractions and get present. We calm any anxious thoughts that we have. We quiet and still our souls. Everybody just take a deep breath. Speak, Lord. We're listening. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Scotty. Was in a high school band with that guy. I'll see you at point number four, okay? Be back for point four, okay? Okay, do you know those really annoying high-frequency sounds that they use to test your hearing? Nobody panic, but one of those is about to play through this system because we're gonna conduct a little experiment and see who's got the best hearing at Red Rocks Church. We're gonna have a little fun, and there's only one rule for this game. As soon as you hear it, you raise your hand, and no cheating, okay? If you have horrible hearing like me, we're all still special. There's no prize for this, okay? Don't worry. If you hear something right now, nothing's playing yet, that's a ringing in your ears, and you need to go get that checked as soon as church is over. Are we clear on the one rule? Okay, Kyle, go ahead. 20,000 hertz. For real? 19,000 hertz. 18,000. 17,000. Okay, I see a lot of hands. You can just stop it before we all go insane. If you didn't hear anything, you might be getting old, but not in spirit, baby. Not in spirit. And for the record, I heard nothing, absolutely nothing, okay? So here's my point. Uh, Like, some of us heard that and some of us didn't, but there was a sound playing the entire time. So let's spiritualize this because we are in church right now. God is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? We have a God who is constantly speaking. The only question is, can you hear him? Chris Hodges says this, God does not have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. I love that. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophet Elijah, you know, one of the golden boys of the Old Testament, mighty man of God, the prophet Elijah is desperate to hear the voice of God. He just, he needs some direction in life. So what does he do? He climbs a mountain. He does what all of us do when we need some direction. He goes up I-70 at sunset, finds the closest scenic overlook, gets out his moleskin journal, plays Echo Holy in his AirPods, looks up to the heaven and shouts, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm desperate, right? I love that Elijah did that. James 5.17 says, Elijah, prophet Elijah was a human being just like you. If you feel desperate for direction to feel and hear the voice of God, you are in good company. So our boy Elijah is on top of a mountain, and we pick it up in verse 11. Here we go. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but God was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but God was also not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, surely the fire, right? But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. And it was in the whisper that Elijah heard the voice of God. So the Hebrew word for whisper is the word damama. For real. Now, that's not a mama joke, okay? That's just, that's just the word, damama, and it means a gentle whisper, whisper or a still, small voice, okay? So God, the Almighty, the maker of the heavens and the earth, has an outdoor voice and knows how to use it, right? When he proclaimed, let there be light with James Earl Jones's voice, that's just how I hear him. I'm sure that was his outdoor voice, but when God speaks to us, he oftentimes speaks in a still, small 
small whisper. And Mark Batterson tells us why. When somebody speaks in a whisper, you gotta get very close to hear. We lean in toward a whisper and that is what God wants. The goal of hearing the heavenly father's voice isn't just hearing his voice, it's intimacy with him. That's why he speaks in a whisper and then do not miss this. He wants to be as close to us as divinely possible. He loves us, likes us just that much. So really quick, before we go any further, if you are in a situation, a season right now where you're just desperate to hear the voice of God, you need guidance, you need direction, I wanna make a book recommendation. This is by Mark Batterson and it's called Whisper and I think you're gonna find a lot of comfort and a lot of guidance reading this. Taylor, you really look like you are in need of some direction, buddy. So there you go, that's for you. Okay. We're gonna do a quick recap. I know we're eight minutes and 31 seconds in, but we're gonna do a recap. If you ever wonder why it's sometimes hard to hear the voice of God, the answer is because he loves you and he wants you close. I do this all the time with my two-year-old Will, where I'll whisper and he'll, he'll lean in a little bit to hear me. I'll whisper again. He'll lean in a little bit closer and then, gotcha, I grab him, right? Was it a trick? Maybe. Does that make me a bad dad? Absolutely not. Okay, so you need to understand God has plans for your life. Your heavenly father, the one who made you, has dreams and has visions for you. He really does. He wants to communicate them to you. But if you're anything like me, man, you'd prefer that God just give you all of those plans in a brochure format, nice and colorful with chronological ordered lists. Can I get an amen? Like you want him to show up in a hurricane or in the fire and proclaim in an outdoor voice, marry this person, take that job, don't smoke that, move there, stay here, right? Why not, God? But so often he chooses to speak to us in a whisper and you have to get close to hear him because God understands something that a lot of us tend to forget and it's this. Hearing God is actually not the goal of hearing God, proximity with God is. So follow me here. The process of prayer will change you in ways that an answered prayer cannot. The pursuit of hearing the voice of God will grow you in ways that actually hearing the voice of God never could. That's why he whispers in a still, small Voice. Now, by the way, the main way he does that is through scripture. So if you ever think you're picking up on a divine signal from heaven, you're like, God, I think I'm getting you, God, but it contradicts this book. One of those things has to be wrong, and it's not the word of God, okay? That's not God. That's the pizza that you ate for dinner. Our very unchanging God has been speaking for thousands of years, and it's all recorded right here. So you cannot tell me God doesn't want to speak to you if you have access to one of these. In fact, you need to finish church today believing a better bigger, more correct truth about your relationship with the big man upstairs. Somebody say, God wants to speak to me. God wants to speak to you. He really does. God is always speaking. This is his word. And today I want to give you four languages God uses to speak his word to you. Four ways to hear the voice of God. Are you ready? Which way are you most excited for Conrad? 
The third one, so good. <laughs> but just wait for four. But one and two, I think, are my favorites. It's like picking your favorite kid. They're just, mm, they're all so special. Okay, so here we go. We'll start with number one, the first language. Here it is. God speaks through people. He speaks through people to us, and he speaks through us to people. Now, really quick, I think God speaks the loudest in your life when you don't have to say a word, when the story you live preaches your message, when the things you do and don't do speak volumes about who your God is to you. You know, when you're more in love with people than you are with being prophetic, because God's gonna prophetically speak through you to the people that you love, God speaks through people. So let me ask a question. What about when it comes to hearing God speak to you through other people? I'll give you one quick discernment tool, three words. Consider the source. Mark Batterson makes the point, God way more often speaks through friends than strangers. Not that he can't speak through strangers or burning bushes or clouds or donkeys, Okay, but more often than not through friends because speaking truth in love is an earned right and the byproduct of relationship and wisdom. And the stronger the relationship, the more weight those words carry. God speaks to me through my buddy Ethan all the time because he's for me, he loves me, he believes in me, but he knows all my stuff, all my stuff, all my blind spots. And most importantly, he's not afraid to tell me what I don't wanna hear. He's done that so many times, okay? 11 years ago, God spoke to me through my college pastor, Bill Stevens, who took me to coffee one afternoon, we sat down across some orange mocha frappuccinos and the first thing Bill said to me was, I'm not gonna tiptoe around your feelings, I'm gonna tell you the truth. And I sat over here just thinking, uh-oh. And he said, I love you, but you're a leader in this ministry. People are watching your life and nothing about the way you're living or the things you're doing are godly. Like, they're just not. He's got a plan for you. You're ignoring it. He's giving you influence. You're punting on it. On first down, by the way, right? And I walked out of that coffee shop just so angry as a new believer, just, right? Like, legalism. Nobody go in that coffee shop. There's a legalist in there. Attention, God, we got a legalist down here. One of those moments where God kind of just impresses on your heart. Legalism, ah. Try maturity. That's a better word than legalism. Maturity, leadership. Newsflash, knucklehead. I got plans for you, and I'm trying to speak to you through your pastor. If you're smart, you will lean in and listen. My goodness, that's why I'm so grateful for the older generations in our church, because God speaks through your wisdom. And the reason you're drawn to Red Rocks is because you have a young spirit. And my goodness, do we need you here. Can we make some noise for that? God speaks through people. But how do you know if it's God or if it's the pizza or if it's just their opinion or if it's the enemy? Because we all have friends who tell us exactly what we wanna hear. Now, none of us would ever do that. We just have friends who do that. Maybe you pay a counselor a lot of money who tells you exactly what you wanna hear. And oftentimes in our Christian circle, when we hear the two words, false teacher, we're tempted to think, oh, the public figure pastor just preaching to make a profit and purposefully leading people astray. And you know what? Probably, 
probably. But it's, I believe this with all my heart. In 2021, the greatest source of false teachers are well-meaning Christian friends who give bad advice based on emotions and stamp God's name on it. This is called the, this is called the God card, and it gets played all the time. All the time. If you begin a sentence with, God said, I really hope God said that. Because the God card has done so much damage. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way. It appears to be right. This is for everybody, including Christians. It's gonna appear to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Just because something is said well on Instagram does not mean it's true. False teaching, it's not gonna be stamped with a big neon sign that says false teaching. Like, it's gonna sound good. It's gonna be 90% correct, right? Do you know people who are in charge of finding counterfeit money? They don't spend all their time memorizing all the different types of counterfeit money. There's way too much of it out there. That would be impossible. They invest all their time into memorizing the real thing so when the fake thing shows up, they know it. One more discernment tool. If it agrees with the word of God and it's not what you wanna hear, that might be God. <laughs> Not that he doesn't say things you wanna hear all the time. I'm just saying, if it agrees with scripture and it's not what you wanna hear, that's probably, that's probably God. Consider the source. Better yet, choose your source. Give friends and family that you trust permission to speak into your life and, and, and call you on your stuff. And look at your blind spots. People who love you and want more for you because I'm telling you, God wants to speak through people, Amen. All right, number two, God speaks through our pain. And I know this is sensitive. I do not always know why bad things happen. I'm not gonna pretend to, but I can tell you with full integrity and confidence that because of Jesus, your pain is not pointless. It's not, and I know that. Follow me here. If the purpose of life truly is the pursuit of happiness, then pain is the ultimate enemy. But if the, pur the purpose of life is the pursuit of something beyond this life, a transcendent God who uses all things to draw you closer, well, then pain becomes your fast pass straight to him. Do not be too fixated on escaping pain that you fail to get something from that pain. The situations we're so busy trying to, to change are oftentimes the exact situations God is trying to use to change us. In this lifetime, like, like, Pain is inevitable, Christian. Progress is optional. When it comes to pain, define you or refine you, it is your decision. Man, that's why, let's go. That's why I, I, I trust people who have bled before, people who have been through hell and back, people who have suffered in this lifetime and who have come out the other side stronger and better and more in love with Jesus. In my opinion, that is one of the most powerful, beautiful things that there is. On October 31st, 2003, Bethany Hamilton was a 13-year-old girl surfing with her friends off the coast of Kauai when a 14-foot tiger shark attacked her. She lost 60% of her blood and her left arm. You don't have to agree with me on this. I believe with all my heart, God does not send sharks, literally, or metaphorically. But with all my heart, I know that God speaks through pain. Bethany Hamilton listened, and now when she speaks, the world listens. 
She was quoted saying, I wouldn't change what happened to me. I watched that interview and I had to rewind it and hear it again, for real. I wouldn't change what happened to me because I never would have been able to embrace this many people with two arms. So I'll just say, this is really hard for Americans, man. And me too. We love it in movies. We hate it in life. We are so about maximizing our comfort from memory foam all the way to the opioid epidemic. We hate, hate, hate pain. And sometimes, God help us, we even think Christianity is our ticket to a pain-free life, right? No, we're Americans. We're, we're victorious, right? The Jews wanted the same thing in a Messiah. Jesus, are we, are we overthrowing Rome? Like, are we doing this? Let's go. And Jesus would say, oh, make no mistake, I am the conquering lion, but I am also the suffering lamb. Resurrection and crucifixion, the ultimate victor who willingly took the seat of brokenness. And by the way, I will speak to you from that seat anytime you need me to. It was C.S. Lewis who said, God whispers in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. So if you're in a season right now where you're just going through it, a painful season, my goodness, I am so sorry for what you're going through. This is real, it's hard, and please know you are far less alone than you think you are. Keep coming, keep showing up, get in the group, reach out for prayer, keep praising him in your pain, and hear me say this to you. Never will it be easier to hear the voice of God than it is right now. The valley that you're walking through will end. It will. That's the one thing all valleys have in common. They all end. And if you listen for the voice of God in the middle of it, you will be stronger and better and more in love with Jesus when it does. Amen. God shouts in our pain. Number three, Conrad's favorite already. God speaks through promptings. On Monday, February 24th, 1958, Time Magazine published an article called Mass Murder Trial of a Teenage Gang, where it pictured the, so, the seven young gang members accused of killing Michael Farmer, a 15-year-old boy disabled by polio. David uh, Wilkerson, in his office across the country, in his study one night, the following Saturday night, he read that article, and he said he looked at that photo of those seven young men and there was one face in particular, the one he described, that was filled with the most hatred. And his reaction to it was to fall to his knees in his office by himself and cry uncontrollably for hours. Woke up the next morning and his response as a 62-year-old man was to move his family to New York City, plant a church in Times Square, and start a nonprofit organization called Teen Challenge. All because God spoke to him through a prompting in the face of one teenage boy. 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus ascended back into heaven. And here's, here's what gets me this is what I think is crazy. Jesus said, You want me to leave? Because until I leave, like that, the, that's, that's the only way the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And that's better. That's what he said. You want the Holy Spirit here more than me. The reason I think that's crazy is because Jesus spoke audibly. 
And the Holy Spirit oftentimes speaks in promptings, and yet Jesus is telling us that's better. Trust me, you want the Holy Spirit. And I've been trying to put some poetic language to describe what I think a prompting is. And the best way I can describe it, a prompting is like a flash of lightning in your spirit that leads to an almost immediate quickening in your heart to respond. It's that intuition the Holy Spirit activates in your gut. I call it knowing in your knower. I got a prompting to preach this message this week. A prompting is God setting you up for something. The only question is, will you respond or not? James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not just listen to a word, but respond to it. So toddlers love buttons. Have you noticed this? I don't know how many people in here have toddlers. My two-year-old, he's obsessed with our microwave because of the buttons. Anytime we leave the house, he has to be the one to open or shut the garage door. Toddlers love buttons. Now, why on earth would I tell you that, George? Well, it's because for the next 60 seconds, I might push your buttons. (laughs) Are you ready? We are the overtaught and underapplied generation of Christians. We'd rather learn something new than do what we know. Home coming for all of us. We'll listen to a podcast or read a book as if the ultimate end game is to get wrecked by it. Man, that got me so good. Oh, that that sermon hit home. But then we will incorrectly assume that because we got wrecked by a prompting that we actually went and did it. Man, that got me. Okay, great. That's wonderful. I'm glad it did. Do not be deceived like James said. Do what it says. Respond to it because it's through the words we say and the prayers we pray and the sacrifices we do make and the people we do reach that we get off the bench and in the game and actually live this thing out, amen? God speaks all the time through promptings. The question is, will you or will you not respond? A prompting can be a burden, by the way. I think God speaks through what keeps you awake at night, fighting sex trafficking, Racial reconciliation, coming alongside young, pregnant teenage girls who feel like they're all alone in the world. It was a a burden to reach lost people that prompted Sean and Jill Johnson to move across the nation to this state, Denver, Colorado, to start Red Rocks Church. It was a prompting that led a man named Ananias to pray for a terrorist named Saul who became Paul in that moment, who went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. It was a prompting that led the apostle Peter to go meet with a man named Cornelius and bridge the gap between the Jews and the Gentiles. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, when you feel the prompting of God, even if what you're doing is really important, and even if that prompting is simply just to sit and listen, he said, do not wait. Drop whatever you're doing and respond immediately. When you feel a prompting to serve, serve. When you feel a prompting to sit and listen, sit and listen. If you feel a prompting to give, give immediately. When you feel a prompting to repent, repent. And I know that's a Christian cuss word in 2021, so let me redeem it. Repenting is not God wanting to slap your wrist. It's him daily trying to invite you in to something better because you can't hear something new until you've left something old. If you hear a prompting 
to confess. Confess, man. Don't sit on that for 10 days or 10 years. That's another Christian cuss word. But let me remind you, your sin does not keep God from you. Jesus made sure of that. But your secret sin creates the shame that keeps you from God. Confession is what brings you close again and heals you. Not sure who I'm talking to you right now, but confession is the sleeping pill you are looking for right now. God speaks through promptings, amen? And last but not least, the one all of you are waiting for so patiently. God speaks in proximity. So God's always present. We aren't. God's always speaking. We're just not always listening, right? If you need to hear from God, I guess this is, this is what I wanna leave you with today, that you do not have a God of confusion. I know God whispers, but whispers are clear if you are close. Whispers are clear when you are close. So in 2017, I made what is probably one of the most difficult decisions I've ever made in my entire life, which was what city to move to to plant a church. Made it with my wife, Ethan and his wife, my brother Ryan, through so many conversations and scouting different locations. And for years, for years, we were dead set on San Diego for obvious reasons. And then we visited Austin, Texas, and it kind of, sort of, just maybe felt like quite possibly God was altering every detail and rerouting us, and it weighed so heavy on me. I just wanted to get it right. I wanted to hear correctly. Never, never prayed more than I prayed in that two months. Never fasted more than I fasted in that two months. I remember so many nights at 11 p.m. driving to our Lakewood campus, walking into the auditorium and laying on the ground in the center aisle, looking up at the rafters, just desperate like, God, speak to me, Lord. A dove on my shoulder to whisper in my, like, I don't care, I'm not picky. Just, I gotta get this right because this is not, this isn't just me. This affects a lot of people. Like, please, I'm desperate. I'll describe it as I've never felt that crushed and close to God at the same time, close enough not just to hear the voice of God, but to feel the heart of God. And I journaled the entire thing. And by the way, writing your prayers, writing your fears, writing what you believe God might be speaking to you might just be, and I mean this, the most practical way to hear the voice of God. First Chronicles 28, 19. All of this, said David, the Lord made me understand in what? In writing. By his hand upon me, all the works of these plans. So that's what I did. I journaled the process and it might be the closest I've ever been to God. Remember, whispers are clear when you are close. And this was a, a Thursday night and we just finished Young Adults. And by the way, if you're a 20-something in Denver and you don't go to YA, you're crazy. You're insane. It's amazing. 
on this Thursday night, I was the last one to leave the building and I did what I did every night. I set the alarm and walked out the back door, just so mentally drained, not just from the night at church, that was amazing, from two months of just pure exhaustion, trying like Elijah on the mountain, speak God, I'm just desperate. I got in my car, pulled out of the parking lot, turned left onto Harlan Street and immediately felt a prompting in my spirit. It's like God said, turn around, go back to the building because the front doors might be unlocked. My first thought was, I finally snapped. That's the pizza. I'm, I'm losing my mind. I'm so tired. <laughs> I don't want to go back. So I ignored it, but felt the prompting again. Buddy, turn around, go back to the building and check the front doors because they might be unlocked. And I was so just angry and exhausted. I like, I Tokyo drifted a U-turn. Not really, I'm not that cool. I can't do that. But I, I sped back and screeched to a stop up on the sidewalk in front of the doors, got out of my car, walked up to the front doors of the Lakewood campus and said, God, look, they're locked. Are you happy? Swung wide open, which never happens. We have an amazing security team. They lock up every night. They keep us safe. They worship and pray with their eyes open so we don't have to. I'm like, that might've been supernatural, but the alarm started counting down from 30, which means I had 30 seconds to sprint through the entire building and get it turned off just in time. And I'll be chasing that high for the rest of my life, Taylor. <laughs> Locked everything up, reset the alarm, got back in my car and I cried the entire way home because I realized that had absolutely nothing to do with doors. Nobody was breaking in. That only happens at our Austin building the night before lunch. I'm not bitter about it. Nobody was breaking in. I just realized, God, you, you spoke to me about a very weird and specific thing, and I heard you felt him impressed on my heart. He said, buddy, my sheep know the sound of my voice. You know the sound of my voice. And he said, you have proximity with me. Now, the next thing to do is to go and trust your God instinct. Listen to me, Christian, you have a God instinct and it's been imprinted in your royal blood and it gets activated in his proximity. Now listen, this is important. Without proximity, you're not being led by the spirit and you might just be reacting to emotions. But in proximity, trust your God instinct, man. He gave that to you. I woke up the next morning and wrote this in my journal, April 30th, 2017. For the past month, I've been desperate to hear from God. I've been praying and fasting a lot, and that's all caps right there, because he's been doing something I never expected, rerouting us from the beach and into Longhorn country. And the more I pray about it, the more I like it. I know the sound of his voice. I'm close to him. Childlike faith is not childish. It's the kind of confidence this future church deserves. He's talking to me. I'm trusting my God instinct. And then I wrote, we are planting a church in Austin, Texas. And for the last three years, we've seen nothing but evidence of God's plan. So would you guys stand? I'll finish right here with this one phrase that'll be up. God, get, get close and trust your God instinct. 
get close, and then trust your God instinct. So first of all, get close. He is your maker. He is your heavenly father. He has given you an instinct to know how to get close to him. You need to stop believing the false narrative that a deep and passionate prayer life or relationship with Jesus is reserved for those Christians or the missionaries or the worship leaders or the pastors, but not for you. You only give that power by believing it. You need to level that up to something called the truth, that you are a son or a daughter of the maker of everything who has put in your heart a know-how of how to get close to him. You have things on your mind. You've got dreams on your heart. Now talk to him like he's your dad and you're his kid. Get close, get proximity. And once you've done that, trust your God instinct. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm telling you, once you've done that, once you're close, make a decision. Make a decision. You're at crossroads right now. You've been there for way too long. This chapter's tired. It's time for God to write the next one. Make a decision. Not too careless, but not too careful either. You cannot be afraid of the unknown. And sometimes there's one right answer in front of you. Sometimes there's just not. God, should I go there or there or stay here? And I'm telling you, that's why he gives you passions and preferences and the ability to choose. I believe with all my heart that Austin was the very specific city that God led us to. But I also believe with all my heart that people need Jesus in every city and God would have used us in any city. It's the same reason I believe my wife Sam is not the one because I found the one and only person on this planet that God made for me. I think it's better than that. I think it's more romantic than that. I believe she's the one because I chose her to be and she chose me to be and we're all in and I'm not looking back. You cannot be paralyzed by the, by the subconscious torture of what, what it means to be double-minded, constantly afraid that you're gonna mess up all of God's plans for your life. Like he's the cosmic breadcrumb lever, trying to trick you or test you, saying you better pick right, don't go there when I'm leading you here or you'll ruin your life. <laughs> Guys, we have a better dad than that. We have a better God than that. He's wonderfully good at redirecting. He just cannot steer a parked car. Get close and then trust your God instinct. Not too careless, but not too careful. Do not be afraid of the unknown because straight into the unknown way too often is right where Jesus wants to take us. And I believe even if your path ends up looking like this, that God will get you where he's leading you. Amen. Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you, God, that you are a God who speaks to us. I thank you, you are constantly leading and constantly prompting us. I pray that you would heighten our God awareness and our senses of your spirit around us and within us, speaking to us 24-7 around the clock, anywhere and everywhere, God. Would you speak through us to people? Would you speak through people to us? Would you speak to anybody right now who's in a season of pain and walk with them, Jesus, in this valley? May your rod and staff comfort them until you guys walk hand in hand out of this valley. 
to a mountaintop together, stronger and better and more in love. Jesus, would you, would you speak to us in promptings? I pray for more promptings. I pray for the courage and the guts and the bravery and the grittiness to drop whatever it is that we're doing and respond immediately, Holy Spirit, anytime that we feel you might be prompting us. And I pray for a crazy amount of proximity. I pray for new depths, new levels of proximity for the people under the sound of this prayer right now, that they might know that your grace and your love and your guidance and direction is like an ocean. How wide and how deep and how far and how long that they could not escape it. Even if they tried, Jesus, would you lead us where we're trying to go? Would you draw us close with more nearness and, and more proximity as we worship your name? We love you and we pray this in the powerful, wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship.